Welcome to In Context, coming to you from Vine Sanctuary, an LGBTQ-led farmed animal refuge in Vermont. We bring you conversations with authors and organizers exploring the connections between animal advocacy, race, gender, and social justice to help put today's big questions in context. Hi, and welcome to In Context. I'm Patrice Jones coming to you from the grounds of Vine Sanctuary in Springfield, Vermont, an LGBTQ-led farmed animal refuge that works for social and environmental justice, as well as for animal liberation. My guest today is Miko Brown of Farm Sanctuary, and in thinking about which animal to keep in mind during our conversation, I immediately thought of one of the co-founders of the sanctuary who's rarely talked about, who was a dog called Zami. Zami lived with me from when she was a little puppy. She, as a puppy, was a, a uh, scared, but grew into herself. And as an adult, she had eyes that people wrote poems about. Several people wrote poems about. And several people independently remarked that the whole world would be much happier if Zami were the Secretary General of the UN. I feel the same way about Miko. Um, and, and, and why people felt that way about Zami was that she was firm, but fair. She was very clear about what she felt was right or wrong, um, but she was always very kind um, in how she communicated that. And she was absolutely genuine, um, always. And this is how she helped start the sanctuary. Because even as a puppy, she loved other animals. She tried to make friends with a garden snake. Three times she saved birds. This was before we started the sanctuary. Everybody felt safe with her and everybody was safe with her. And of course, our goal at Vine Sanctuary, and I know the goal at Farm Sanctuary as well, is to be a safe enough place uh, for people of all species uh, to flourish um, and become themselves. So that said, let me welcome Miko Brown of Farm Sanctuary. Miko, thank you so much for making time to talk with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I have to say I'm feeling emotional after hearing the, the story of, of Zami. I wish I could have met Zami, but yes, thank you. Oh, I wish you could have met Zami too. Miko is the Director of Social Justice Initiatives at Farm Sanctuary. And it might sound strange or at least intriguing to you um, that a farmed animal sanctuary uh, would have such a department or a set of initiatives and, and particularly Farm Sanctuary, which for the first several decades of its existence was absolutely uh, focused on uh, animal advocacy. And while I know both of the co-founders were uh, 
sympathetic to and in solidarity with uh, social justice and environmental justice, uh, the organization really didn't take steps in that direction until fairly frequently recently. So, Miko, can you tell me about like how did that how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you, thank you for for kind of raising that as as a question here. I mean, I think um, you know, just speaking from my perspective, I've been with the organization for about seven years. I started as an intern in 2015, and I think one of the things that I often reflect on, which I think I might have, you know, reflected on and shared during the the sanctuary conference um, earlier this year, was, you know, when it comes to sanctuary, there can often be this this sort of experience of, you know, you come, you drive past all of these other places, and then you come to the sanctuary, and it can be like this its own little corner of the world, right? And there are some ways that we can be kind of isolated and just focus on, you know, what is going on in our sanctuary space and really kind of single issue in that focus in terms of, of thinking about animal advocacy only as the treatment of animals within that. I think one of the things that I've experienced also in sanctuary is this kind of community piece, right? Sanctuary as a community and some of the conversations and explorations that we had as a staff community, as an intern community, as a volunteer community when I joined the organization where there was this kind of collective wondering around how did we get here, right? How did we get here to this world, this place where there, there is a, a food system where farm animals are treated this way? And in that kind of wondering and that exploration, you know, of how did we get here, that question brings you, if you really kind of go deep and explore that, to the roots of these issues. And I think in that exploration of the roots of these issues, there's an understanding that actually, you know, the story of one farm animal survivor of our food system is a reflection of this larger pattern of harm throughout our food system that comes from these deep roots, these underlying logics, this underlying history, and that if we want to address it, then we kind of have to address it holistically, right? Looking at the food system, looking at the system, looking at that, that larger pattern, and really, um, you know, dismantling the roots of whatever it is that's leading to the perpetuation of those harms. And so I think that was kind of a, a community exploration that we were engaging in, a community process of learning that we were engaging in, and this kind of wondering too about how we integrate that in practice and having leadership at the time who was supportive of, of that kind of exploration and desire to integrate. And we'll also say that that was a process that we engaged in within the sanctuary and in the sanctuary community, and that that was happening in tandem with, you know, beyond the sanctuary community, um, you know, these various socio-political and, and climate crises too, right? So I think people also having this experience of, you know, this is what's going on in the world, and then how do we think about that from where we are as a sanctuary, right? And how do we connect to that as well? So that's kind of, um, I think a, a part of of what led to to that shift, at least in my time of being here. And can you tell me, for uh, uh, our listeners, some of the things that the social justice uh, initiatives, some of the social justice initiatives at Farm Sanctuary? Yeah. So you know, my title is Director of Social Justice Initiatives. Um, and so I think, you know, when you hear that, it kind of um, presents a picture of like various 
discrete initiatives taking place. And so there definitely is specific programming that um, is oriented toward promoting equity and social justice kind of holistically inclusive of, of the animals use or food within that. And that integration process has kind of been independent of just these initiatives, right? It's been this intentional approach to our messaging and approach that incorporates this kind of systems understanding that incorporates this kind of social justice lens and perspective in terms of how we talk about and how we think about these issues and how we understand these issues, how we, um, you know, think about our collaborations and, and who we are, who we're working with, and in terms of how we design our education, right, in terms of how we do our, our staff training. So it's kind of this holistic shift in terms of our organizational culture and how we think about these issues and how we operate. And then also these specific initiatives and programs. Um, you know, one of the, the core things that has evolved along with this kind of farm sanctuaries evolution in this direction is shifting our, our advocacy more in the direction of food system advocacy, right? So really focusing on this, the systems level change, the systems wide change inclusive of farm animals, and then also with this awareness of, of worker issues and, and climate issues and how communities are impacted and community access to, to food choice to make even, to even be able to make um, vegan food choices. So that's been a big part of it, right? Kind of shifting our, our advocacy to this food system advocacy approach. Um, that's also involved our, our education programs, right? So we do in-classroom education programs. We also have people who come to, to the sanctuary. And so in that that educational content, we are framing it in this kind of systems perspective, this kind of social justice perspective, looking at the history of, of colonization and industrialization and the evolution of our food system to be what it is today. And those various ways, you know, within our education program, we have a collaboration with the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, which is a farm worker organization. And so part of our education includes that collaboration with them and understanding that as an important part of when we talk about you know, moving in the direction of a, a plant-based food system, that it also has to be just in terms of how, how farm workers are treated. And that's organizations like Food Empowerment Project have been talking about that for, for a really long time. And so it's it's for us, like how do we how do we um, include and incorporate and represent what Food Empowerment Project has been talking about, what coalition of Mockley workers are advocating for and insisting on in terms of, of farm worker rights, how do we demonstrate solidarity and support there? Um, and then also, you know, we have a community learning program, social justice in our food system, where we are kind of um, creating a container for, for people to be able to explore these issues and develop an understanding of what does this mean in terms of our own vegan praxis and our own understanding of the issues of our food system, as well as kind of growing our community engagement program, which is, you know, people who are learning about these issues, how do we then um, take part in action to help to create create change within our food system. And so in my my title, my role as director of social justice initiatives, it's really about recognizing how that social justice and equity lens applies across programs and then really facilitating and supporting teams and in incorporating and integrating that. Wow. You I, you mentioned um, when you were talking about the evolution of this, you, you mentioned uh, sitting around together and asking, you know, how did how did we get here? And I really like that 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 framing of it because I find that whatever we're talking about, whatever uh, problem we're trying to solve, 
uh, asking, well, how did we get here? And, and trying to trace it back and being um, really careful about thinking about what led us to this point and all of the intersecting factors that led us to this point. And then all of the intersecting factors that are keeping us at this point mm -hmm. um, uh, can be a really useful way of thinking about it. But I have to admit that when you said, how did we get here? I also thought, well, there's also the question of like, how did we get here in your case to farm sanctuary? So I want to know how did Miko Brown end up as an intern at Farm Farm Sanctuary? What was what? How did where did that come from in your life? Yeah, yeah. So I will answer that question, and I can't help but think when you mention what you mentioned, your own book, Oxen at the Intersection, right, where you kind of speak to those very realities, and that being a part of the influential one of the the influential learning resources that we engage with as a community, right? And even just being able to, to come in and visit Vine with a fellow staff member at the time and have you talk about Vine as this multi-species community on top of, you know, reading your book. I think we actually, we visited, we visited Vine and on the way driving to Vine, we were listening to the book and when we were leaving, right? And so just kind of like thinking about it holistically. So wanting to, to say and recognize the, your contributions in that and how that's influenced our own, my own understanding. Um, but I will say, as far as my my journey to to Farm Sanctuary, to, in brief, to summarize it, I'd been taking part in a program called AmeriCorps, National Civilian Community Corps. So it was a team-based national service program on, and we were working in the West Coast, and we would come into um, communities who were inviting us, saying that they had specific service projects that they could use support on. And so we were going into different communities um, and engaging in these projects. And they were often, you know, related to some sort of, um, you know, issue of, of just injustice and inequity that these communities were trying to navigate. Um, and I did two terms of service as a core member and as a team leader with that program. And in that program, I met someone who, um, was vegan and talked to me about how animals are treated in our food system. And so I was like, well, I, I need to find out more about this. I want to kind of understand this, especially as I was learning about these, these social justice issues in these various communities. I understood this as another, as a community um, who was also navigating these, also experiencing this injustice and that I was complicit in that. Right. And so there was something in me around learning and wanting to, to understand and know more about that, recognizing my own complicity, and then also having a, a desire feeling that it was important that I be of service to that community in some way. And so I was like, is there a way that I can serve serve a, 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 a community of, of animals who are used, used for food? And that's when I found out about farm animal sanctuaries and that they were a thing. And so I did an internship at a at a farm animal sanctuary in Southern California, not Southern California, Southern Oregon. And then I interned at Farm Sanctuary for, for three months and then interning there, that's where I had that opportunity to experience that community that I talked with you about, to also experience the potential of sanctuary, um, you know, that there's a thing around this community of where we can explore these possibilities, but also a community where we can practice new possibilities, right? And practice alternatives. And there was something that felt so exciting to me around that because I felt, you could just feel the potential of, of what we're what we could do here and what we could discover and explore here and how powerful it is to have a space where we are exploring these more 
just and compassionate and counter-oppressive relationships with fellow animals when the world beyond sanctuary spaces is so not that, right? Um, and so that was very transformative and powerful for me. So I had planned to, been planning to go to grad school and get a master's of social change and a master of divinity to be a community minister, a Unitarian Universalist community minister, but decided to work for Farm Sanctuary instead. And so I worked at Farm Sanctuary and then also in tandem uh, was, was full-time at um, my grad school getting a master's of social change. And so I had the opportunity to kind of explore this um, explore social change while also exploring that in relation to the context of like sanctuary and and the issues of our food system and creating change there. I love that story. And I love, I, I, of course, the word that has been like, if somebody did a word bubble, even of our talk so far, the word that would be like right at the center, um, biggest of all would be, would be community, right? Um, and I know from our conversations uh, that this is an abiding um, value of yours, aspiration of yours, uh, practical project of yours, building community. And it is for us, us too here at Vine, as, as you say, we, we, we refer to ourselves as a multi-species community. Uh, and, and, and really try to think of ourselves that way. Uh, but like building, like something you could talk about community and it can sound really, oh, like who's against community? And oh yes, and it can sound sort of heavenly, you know, in the way that, that sanctuaries will sound heavenly to people who aren't in them. But of course we've all been in communities uh, where, um, the values of community are not put into practice. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking two things at once. One, I'm thinking, I wanna talk with you some about just the praxis of building community um, and any ideas you might have about that based on not only your experience, but you know, your schooling and social change, et cetera. Because I'm also the, the the other train of thought, as you said, well, you know, the world beyond the sanctuary spaces is, you know, different. But, you know, even the world within animal liberation spaces, I don't need to tell you, um, is is not always uh, 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 what we would like yeah. Yeah. in terms of values of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's so much, so much here. And um, I'm, yeah, uh, always appreciating having the opportunity to talk with you about this, because I feel like we've had a number of different kind of um, conversations with each of us reflecting on our own understanding and experience of community in this way. And one of the things that's actually coming to mind is, um, I think I've, I've talked with you about this before, but haven't shared this with the audience, of course. I um, engage in, in something called like a focus focusing and we do these listening partnerships, a focusing partnership. And one of the things that was, that has been an interesting exploration in and of itself, just as far as like interaction with between, you know, person who's doing the focusing and person who's doing the listening, right? And that I think has, has influenced some of my thinking and perspective here. But one of the things that was coming up for me when I was the, the focuser in a, a listening partnership was this, this kind of wondering arising within me that felt very like existential and core to the human experience was this, these two questions, I guess, of 
how do we do aliveness and how do we do aliveness together right the fact that like what is this whole like we're we're living beings and we're in the world like what is what is this and then also like how do we figure out and navigate whatever this is together right and how do we do that from an orientation of being aware of a togetherness right this kind of inherent interconnection and so I think that that's kind of what what drives that for me and, and where that comes from and when I say community I think it's just a, a word that speaks to that inherent interconnection that we are already, whether we are intentionally aware of or thinking about or talking or using the language of community in relationship and in interaction and in these systems of relationship that are, you know, kind of communities in that way. And so how do we do that? And how do we do that intentionally? Because if we're not doing that intentionally, that's we're especially at risk of promoting harm and, and injustice as we have historically seen, right? That's why in part we're at where we're at right now. And so how the, do we then recognize the ways that we're interconnected and then be more intentional about, okay, we are interconnected in these ways. And so I choose to, we can practice um, intentionally in how we interact and engage with each other and be in relationship with each other. I'm so glad that you elaborated on that because when you said, uh, how do we do aliveness? And how do we do aliveness together? That just grabbed me. Uh, but I was also immediately thinking, well, wait, we're always together. Um, we're always together, like at, at every level down to the most microscopic, right? Um, and, um, and so we, we can't do aliveness except together. <clears throat> it's literally not possible. If you're alone, you're dead. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even then you're not alone because uh, other people are doing aliveness uh, with your remains. Um, so, so, but there is this, like, the humans have definitely uh, collectively, or at least many humans have collectively uh, uh, done everything they could to not be aware of aliveness, of, 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 of togetherness, and then there's also just this persistent pattern of, of, of violence and domination and, and um, persecution of each other based on real or illusory identities. Um, and then fighting with each other over our identities, fighting with each other over our words. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's not at all self-evident. Like on the one hand, how do we do aliveness together? Well, we can't help but, but right. then how can we like do it less deadlily? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much there. I feel like with everything you say, I'm like, yeah, there's so much. I mean, you know, I think one aspect of it is you know, there, there are a couple of things that are kind of coming from, and there are a lot of things, but there are a couple of things that are kind of front and center here is this part of the thing of this initial question of how do we do aliveness? Like just a, being alive and existing in the world is a very like vulnerable and insecure, it's a, it's a place of deep vulnerability and insecurity that we can either try to um, address or fix or by, you know, these kind of violent individualistic sort of ways, or we can, you know, navigate them collaboratively with an awareness of our interconnection. And so I think given the intense vulnerability and 
um, insecurity of, of what it means to be human and be alive and exist, that, that that's in part where that, that risk and that tendency comes from. And there's also a thing too that I'm aware of that when we talk about how do we do aliveness together, I think part of how we do aliveness together is that we don't <clears throat> collapse togetherness into an assumption of homogenous sameness. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, that there's an awareness that it's each of us together, like mm -hmm. each together, right? And it's not like we are now one and we share the same perspective and experiences and all of that. It's like, can we get to a place of community and togetherness where we recognize and support and affirm our individual uniqueness and our individual emergence, right? Because we also are all kind of like evolving and growing in process. Um, you know, can we, how do we do community in that kind of way? Because I think that that's also a part of some of the challenges that come up is that there's a community that forms with, with certain intentions, you know, maybe intentions toward justice and equity and compassion and sustainability and all of that. But then there are these challenges that kind of come around how do we navigate the, how do we do the both and of like, there's a community and then there are also individuals with unique experiences. And I think that that's the thing, right? It's like this whole thing, I think we've also talked about and like the queer, the queerness of it, like moving beyond binaries. I think, you know, people tend to not know how to do that. And so I think that that's also a thing to learn is like, how do we move beyond binaries in terms of how we relate, how we communicate, how we understand these issues, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and I think, I, I, I think, I think that the, this tendency to the think in the binaries and have a hard time with the, with the both and is not built in. Yeah. Um, I think that is in mostly a matter of, of, of how our brains are, are trained uh, from early child early childhood on yeah. um but, but while you while, while you were talking and i'm so glad you mentioned queerness too because that's right in there right you've got we've got a queerly is how we do aliveness together um mm -hmm. by recognizing just how queerly we are interrelated always right. Right. um but when you were talking about the vulnerability which i'm so glad you mentioned um then of course i was thinking well you know what's the remedy um because um mm, uh, you have to trust. If, if you depend on others, then you have to trust the others. And we can, for now, trust the algae and the trees to be making oxygen, though who knows how long that will happen. But, but, but I guess I was still thinking about the practice of building community. And if we know that everybody's vulnerable, um, regardless of how conscious they may be of that vulnerability. Um, and there's been so much of a collapse of, of, of trust, accelerating collapse of trust in the world right now. I think that's a huge part of this sort of collapse in consensus reality that we're, we're having where we can't solve our problems together because we can't even agree on what the facts are. Well, you, it's, a, a big piece of that is a breakdown of trust. Like mm -hmm. how you even know facts mm -hmm. is because you trust the dictionary mm -hmm. or you trust things that people have told you. And so then I was thinking, well, how do you, how do you rebuild trust and the way you rebuild trust? And I realized this is why I was thinking about Zami, the dog mm -hmm. in relation to you, because she was Im imminently trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And that's how you build trust in communities is 
by being trustworthy. Yeah, and I think too, and another thing that comes in this, this again feels very like queer and like non, non-binary, <laughs> beyond the binary, is I think that what historically we have trusted in, and I think I can even think of just my own experience as a human, right? We have trusted in these kind of concrete binaries, right? This or this, mm. this or this, right? Mm. And I can think mm. in my own journey of evolution as a person and, and growth and existence as a person, that there was there were ways that I had certain this is like these tangible object things that I trusted in. But then when those fell away, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I, what do I trust in? Right. And there's a trust in process rather than um right, right, right. trust in process rather than these kind of um object things or concrete things here. And process can be a scary thing to trust in because it flows. It's right. not you know, it's not um, kind of static, right? It flows. And can we, and that's the thing that I've experienced in community, like very much so we can have community and, you know, feel like we have a trusting, you know, relationship with this person. I feel like I can trust this person, but then something happens and there's a rupture, right? And so if we know that we have a process for repairing that rupture or navigating that, then I can trust in the process, even if I don't trust in you right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) in the process, even if I'm, I'm not even sure that I trust in myself right now, right? Um, I think that that's, that's a thing that I'm kind of feeling into and exploring and wondering about, um, you know, what are the community processes that can support us in being able to relate in these kind of more gen- generative ways that support our collective well-being? And can we identify processes that we do not then try to make static? right? Can we identify processes that we are also willing to recognize that those processes need to and must evolve, right? Can we, can we do both of those things? So that's, that's kind of thing that I think has been really transformative for me, at least in my own, my own process and and understanding. I'm so glad that you're sharing this uh, with me and, and with whoever will listen in, uh, because I feel like, um, uh, this is very generative what you're saying here and 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 it's this question of how to do this is one that we're going to have to figure out together not any one human is going to be able to say okay here is the process or even here is the process for arriving at the process. Like we're going to actual material humans and other animals are gonna have to come up with this and that's gonna involve uh, creative thinking and and imagining, uh, imagining a more queerer way of of being with each other uh fundamentally right yeah and so anything that anybody can say that just sparks people to think a little bit differently about how can i be in relationship with myself can i be in relationship with the fungi uh under the trees in my neighborhood can i be can i contribute to the, I don't want to say rebuilding because we don't want what we used to have, but reformulating the, my local community where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and uh, and then broader as well. So I love this. Yeah, um, and I'm and so I glad you said all of this. I, I am still thinking um, that you mentioned earlier this process that you, you that of uh, focusing and listening. And I was aware as you were saying it that maybe some people wouldn't know what you were talking about. So I wondered if you could just explain that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can explain that. Um, and we'll, you know, just kind of off of what you just said too, I think we come into this understanding of how to do this community thing experientially, which is why these communities of practice like sanctuary, like these multi-species communities that we create are so important. Um, and I think I, I understand that through focusing because focusing is a thing that I do experientially that has given me an insight that I can't articulate, but I know, like I have an embodied knowing of it. And so focusing is essentially, there's someone, Eugene Jenlin, who worked with um, who worked with Carl Rogers, uh, the famous psychologist Carl Rogers, to try to figure out what was it that led to successful outcomes for clients in therapy. And what they realized was that some people seem to be kind of dropping into like an implicit, like dropping into their body to try to sense into something, some implicit something, and then they would articulate it and make it explicit. And that those people who did that kind of dropping in and sensing into something seem to have more successful outcomes in therapy independent of you know whatever the particular modality was and that some people already did that kind of naturally some people were more oriented that way and that it was actually something that we could teach people um and so you might you might have you know in retrospect if someone goes back and, and watches the video you might see me doing a little bit of focusing like I'll kind of drop in and like sensing into something and then express it like we do it when we're trying to find the words to say something, right? We're trying to, when we know that there's something we wanna say, but we're trying to find the right words to say it, we're sensing into something implicit, almost like putting a, a, like a camera lens on it and trying to focus and get clarity on it. And then once we have that clarity, we're able to make it explicit. And that that process um, is, is generative because um, it happens in such a way that the conditioning that we experience leads to a sort of collapsing as we were talking about into these like stuck ways of being or thinking and that when we engage with whatever's here for us internally implicitly in our subconscious with that kind of focusing orientation it can help what was a stuck process flow into that more generative emergent process that we were talking about once we bring bring it into our attention and so focusing is just an intentional process of um of kind of interacting with our inner experience in that way in order to gain that insight to identify um, uh, forward moving steps that can help us to move beyond that, that stuckness. You have answered what was going to be my next question because, because um, so I first met you um, when you came to the conference that uh, Vine Sanctuary organized in conjunction with Wesleyan Animal Studies at Wesleyan in, I think it was maybe 2017, something like that. And, um, and I didn't even know you yet, but I was noticing as I was like moderating discussions and that sort of thing, that every that you were so thoughtful in what you said and that you always said exactly what you meant, um, which is pretty rare. And I've, I've noticed this persistently with you. And then 
I don't think you were there for it because maybe people wouldn't have said it if you were. But in one of the discussions following the uh, of the most recent reimagining sanctuary conference that Vine organized in conjunction with Interloca Sanctuary, uh, several people said they wanted to be like Miko. <laughs> and what they meant, I think, was that they saw you focusing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what they they wanted to know. And so I was going to ask you, well, if people want to be more like Miko, how could they do it? <laughs> and evidently, the way to do it is by focusing. Right. And I, yeah, I'm a big fan of focusing and, and live from a focusing orientation. And one of the things that I especially love about it is that it it is, a, I experience it as a way for us to be able to recognize each person's inherent wisdom and knowing, right? There's something that you have from your knowing and your experience of aliveness, right? That is in within you, implicit within you. And through this process, there's a way that we can learn to more effectively articulate and represent that. Um, and I think that that's, you know, focusing is, is, is engaging as a process for navigating what is coming up for us in terms of our inner experiencing, but there's also an aspect of focusing called thinking at the edge, which is like a, a, a new way of, not a new way, is a way of thinking like creatively. So people will, will engage in thinking at the edge to um, write books or do kind of creative endeavors or, or figure out how to do a project. And so that's my orientation as well, um, because I think that that's the thing, <laughs> you know, it's funny to hear you say people thinking of, of I want to be like Miko, but yeah, it really is just each person being able to engage in a process where they can access their own inherent wisdom that they uniquely have to offer, right? It's not really about me and who I am, but it's about having that ability to um, recognize and, and really bring forth all of our own inherent wisdom and, and knowing in that way. Yeah, and I think that's what people meant. They, 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 they. I don't think anybody wanted to copycat you, um, but it was very evident, um, as it has been today, uh, that you're very mindful of uh, when when you're thinking and when you're speaking, and that's something I really appreciate about you. Um, I'm wondering what you think of, of as we start to run out of time if we didn't already uh if there are people who have tuned in here and um i presume you, that you would like them to go to farmsanctuary.org if they're interested in in farm sanctuary or its social justice initiatives but do you have any tips i guess or just advice if there are people who are listening and and this is resonating with them these are the kinds of things they're thinking about this is the kind of engaged and uh, activism on behalf of animals or activism on in other ways that is at least mindful of animals as well. Do, do you have any thoughts, suggestions? I think in, in going to Farm Sanctuary and like looking at what we have to offer, one of the core things that we have is a community learning program. And I say that to say what, what's kind of coming up for me is something around people growing these little pockets of community. Like, and I guess maybe this isn't a resource, but this is a thing that I think could be particularly generative, right? Like finding um, these communities of people where we can all share that intention um, to, to kind of deepen in this understanding and deepen in this exploration. And I think that's one of the things when I mentioned, um, you know, uh, a focusing 
is that it, I think it, it gives me a sense of how to be in community with people and how to have a generative thing kind of emerge from that community. So there's something in me that's like, just, I don't, I don't know, maybe this doesn't, this doesn't feel helpful, but this is, it's just, it's what's here. There's something about um, wanting to encourage people to try to be intentional about finding experiences of community where they can engage in that kind of exploration. Um, and even if they don't have community that's available to them or accessible to them, um, getting curious about what that community might look like and what the processes might be that support community. And I think they can, you know, that's something we can even engage in intrapersonally. Like, how do we think about community within our ourselves in terms of our own emotional experiences? Can we see our anger and our sadness as a community that exists together? And that that practice of community at the interpersonal level can inform community at the interpersonal and, you know, you know, larger level there. Um, so I don't know that that's kind of what what's coming to mind something around um, the importance of that experiential aspect of it, because there's one thing to like read something or engage with a particular resource, but it feels really important to have actual experiences of, of that and to to be intentional about that. And I'm remembering what we said about how uh, uh, we're always doing aliveness together, whether we want to or not, and that so we're all regardless of how close or near we might be to mm, people we would choose to build community with, we're actually already in all kinds of communities. And certainly something we've been doing here at Vine. Um, we've always been doing it, but particularly in the past five-ish years has been to be very aware of the responsibility that we each have uh, and and the organization has as part of our local community uh, to to engage with people who we are in community with whether they're whether or not they're people we would have chosen to be in community with we are in community with them and we have some responsibilities and who knows what possibilities there might be if we all get better right. at being in community with whoever we happen to find ourselves in community with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, I love that. Well, thank you again so much for making time uh, for talking to me today. Uh, if you've been listening, again, this is Patrice Jones at Vine Sanctuary. I've been talking with Miko Brown, who is the Director of Social Justice Initiatives at Farm Sanctuary. You can find Farm Sanctuary online at farmsanctuary.org. And you can find Vine Sanctuary online at vinesanctuary.org, where you'll also find show notes for this show and past episodes and news about In Context. I want to thank Miko again. I want to thank our producer, Sarah Jane Blum. And I want to thank you for listening in on our conversation and for whatever adventures in community building you're going to have as a result. Bye. Bye.